0: Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's episode, wait for it, 250. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Mark Pearson-Freeland. Happy anniversary, Mark.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Mike, and thank you to all of our listeners and members for joining us all the way through to episode number 250. That excludes, of course, Mike, all of our Unique master series that's only for members, but you're right. A quarter of a thousand episodes—we're certainly <laughs> clocking up these numbers, aren't we? <laughs> uh,
0: I love your math. I—I I, I think it sounds epic. Um, yeah, I'm not great yeah. at math. I just know that apart from 250 episodes, it's been an absolute joy to do it with you, mm-hmm. and we are about to have the chance to look at the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership to wrap up our absolute scorching servant leadership series.
1: Mm. How are you feeling and who is this author we're going to study? Well, Mike and listeners and viewers, we're digging in today in episode 250. What? 250? Into John C. Maxwell's The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And Mike, get this as the subline, follow them, follow these rules, and people will follow you. Now Mike, for those who don't necessarily know John C. Maxwell that well, he is a celebrated, renowned leadership expert. This book, in fact, was written and released 25 years ago, Mike. So maybe there's a nice symmetry there, 25 years, episode 250. you know, somebody's going to see a correlation there. But this book really has those key principles for effective leadership and really helping develop this idea of a leader within us. So I think, as you say, within this servant leadership series that we've we've gone on, this deserves its place as one of the all-time best that we can dig into for this topic.
0: Yeah, and agree? as you rightly pointed out, 25 years ago when this was published, the beautiful thing is there is a thread, as you said, follow them and people will follow you. That is exactly the same narrative that we hear from Lencioni, what we hear from Brene Brown. And what we heard from Simon Sennett with uh, Leaders Eat Last, and this is the underpinning storyline of servant leadership, is if you work hard to serve those around you, you will achieve leadership. And anyone can do this, not just the one or two folks in the ivory tower. It's an offer for all of us. Now, Mark, I wish we could promise our listeners that we did the whole 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, but we would have been here for 250 hours. And stamina stamina is obviously something we need to improve because we've only picked out the four best ideas. But, Mike, I can't wait to jump into those ideas. If our listeners, viewers and members want to actually take the leadership game and master it, this is the show. Mm. I think we should jump in.
1: Oh, I think we've set it up. Perfectly. So, listeners, viewers, members, episode 250, I hope you're getting ready and fired up because we're about to jump straight in to one of John C. Maxwell's uh, irrefutable laws of leadership, specifically around the idea of influence.
2: Today, I would like to talk to you on becoming a person of influence. In your workbook, the first statement is important leadership is influence. In the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I talk about a couple of laws. One is the law of influence that says the true measure of leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. The other law is called the law of E.F. Hutton that says when the real leader speaks, people listen. What I'm really wanting to share with you in this lesson and in this training series is to understand that, that leadership is influence. Influence is leadership. The person in any given group that has the most influence at any given time for any given reason is the leader of the group. So our goal, since leadership is influence, our goal is to increase your influence. Look in your notes. Increasing your influence equals increasing your leadership. J.R. Miller said, There have been meetings of only a moment which have left impressions for a life for eternity. No one can understand that mysterious thing we call influence, yet every one of us continually exerts influence either to heal or to bless or to leave marks of beauty or to wound, to hurt, to poison, to stain others' lives. So the goal of our training is twofold. Number one, help you better understand influence. And number two, help you increase your influence with others.
0: Now, what I like about the reframing of leadership to be influence Mm. is it's suggestive that it's not command and control. Mm. Mm. It's suggestive that real leadership is something you sort of earn. You earn in those Mm -hmm. moments where you can choose to lift people up, help them grow, or push them down and almost send them in reverse. That is a moment where you choose as an individual whether you wanna be a leader or not. And it's so tempting to give in to immediate fight or flight, fear of uncertainty. It's very easy to give in to that, but if you do so, if you give in to your emotions too much, then you are saying no to influence and as a result, no, To leadership. Now, what I like here, Mark, is the the delicacy that this idea of influence represents. Because influence is not as, like, because I told you so. It's perhaps because I asked the question or suggested something that people wanted to do it. And I think that is such an interesting area to think about how we achieve influence and I think it starts by earning it. I think it starts, what we've heard throughout this entire series, is it is about earning the right to lead, the right to influence, as opposed to dictating through your job title.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: When you hear this influence thing and he talks about the moments in those meetings, what comes to mm. your mind? Do you do you have memories, good, bad, or otherwise, where you think about influence either for yourself, yeah. Mark, as a leader or watching others?
1: I think <clears throat> I I agree with with everything you've just said. And I earning the right to lead rather than dictating is, I think, in line very much with what we've seen with servant leadership, but also Michael Bungay Stania, you know, he he very much leads oh, sorry, uh, suggests leading in that fashion from a coaching perspective. But for me, when I heard that clip from Maxwell, the thing that really stands out to me is the reminder that any interaction that we have with other people, there's a chance that they are going to remember something that we say or do. Hopefully, that's going to be positive, but there's also a chance that it could be negative. For me, where I think Maxwell does a really good job of describing that clip, is reinforcing the idea that if you've got this opportunity to work with others, sometimes there are single things that you do or say that really can change or pivot the direction of a certain project, campaign, maybe somebody's behavior. So it's a real reminder to me, and I've been in meetings before when somebody will explain maybe a creative idea or a strategy in maybe a unique way, and the penny will drop and I'll think, oh, now I get it. Or, wait, now I'm really inspired. It's enough, beha- people's behavior, the way that they interact, the way that they describe things, I think is enough to really inspire an entire collection of people. Sometimes maybe without even meaning, but I think what Maxwell's saying is, just in case you're gonna be in that position, make sure that you are doing it to the best of your ability. Make sure to not you know, take advantage but make sure to really put in the time and the preparation, I think, to be a person of influence that then helps you grow, that you start to earn that right to be the leader through behavior and through patterns.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, what I think is interesting for us to do is say, just because you have the authority um, mm. Doesn't necessarily give you the influence of the leadership, right?
1: No, no.
0: I think you know where I naturally go is how do you build that influence, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think we know influence is something that comes over time. Um, but I'm instantly drawn to the idea of the the underlying level of the five dysfunctions of a team, which is trust. Mm. And what I'd love to do with you for a second here is explore how we can create influence to be Mm. great leaders. But what do we have to do to create the influence? Like, let's get into, like, Mm. the really practical stuff. And I think it is all about being trustworthy. Mm. And I think I'll start it off. Let's do a little bit of a game of suggestions on how to build trust within our teams.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I think the first thing that comes to my mind around trust is do what you say. Mm. I will be in the office at 8 a.m. to take that call. You should join me. Whatever you do, you should be hell-bent on getting into the office at 8, regardless of what problems you have getting out of the house, <laughs> right? Because mm. when when you don't do simple things, and I think we all make the mistake of thinking, ah, the train was late, I'll be in at 8.15, can mm. you start the call? No, yeah. no, no, no. Because yeah. what you're saying is my commitment to you, my colleague, and the counterparty on the call It's not that great and I'm not going to make that much of an effort, right? So I think in just keeping your word, you know, delivering the things you promised that you would deliver, it's such a basic Mm -hmm. thing. Another thing around like doing what you say is, you know, when people say, I'll send you an email tonight. I had this this morning. I had a call. So I'm in Sydney, Australia. Yesterday, had a call with someone in New York. I said, okay, will you send me an email tomorrow, your day? Yes, Mike, I will. I wake up this morning, it's end of day New York. I'm like, there is no said email in my inbox. Trust. <laughs> I've only just met this person. they would like to partner mm. on this thing for a project, but they've already missed their first thing. So the trust went down, the influence went down. Yeah. And then I'm like, already, and it's just a small thing. I know maybe I'm being a bit OCD here, but if someone says to me, I'll send you an email and then they don't. I'm like, yeah, yeah. ooh, it makes me reconsider. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's reliability. Totally. There's so it.
0: do what you say. What else can you do to build the trust, to build the influence, to build the leadership?
1: I think you've got to be I, – I like that one a lot. I think reliability is so key. I think authenticity as well. I think that's somewhat inspired by the reliability piece. I think rely, in my mind what I mean by authenticity – is be authentic to you as an individual that then inspires others to behave in the same way. So like you say, if you're setting intentions, such as I'm going to be in for this meeting or I've set it up, I'm going to deliver what I've said I'm going to do, I think authenticity comes through with the angle of making sure that if there's anything that's awkward, anything that's unknown, it's brought up. So, for example, if we were in, you know, and and this is probably a case specifically with remote working, you know, you and your colleague or soon to be colleague in New York, (laughs) the authenticity of hanging out face to face, you'd probably get to a certain point of trust quite quickly. But I think working remotely, you're going to need to find ways now to build up that trust again. So, by being authentic, maybe the example here would be bring it up with him. You know, you could say, hey, look, you said you were gonna do this, how come it didn't happen? It's okay, it didn't, but what I'd like to establish is a pattern where we do deliver each promises that we make each time. So you kind of set those intentions quite early on because that's the sort of thing I think would happen if we were face to face.
0: Yes, and I think another thing, so I like that suggestion, being authentic, being open, Mm. right? I think part of that is admitting Uh, vulnerability, uh, fallibility. Like, I think it's very tempting when you know you're expected to lead to have all the answers. Mm. I think it's actually really powerful and say, guys, I got no idea. Let's brainstorm together on how we might solve this. But honestly, it could be a range of answers to solve this problem. I've got no idea. I really don't know. Never seen this before. Let's go and explore. As opposed to, you're thinking, "I've got no idea," and then you say, "The only way sure. to do this is to go this direction. I know everything, go, 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 yeah. and then it's like, Oh yeah. well, that didn't work, Mike <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, that was rainy, and the dog ate my my homework, and you know
1: yeah, somebody else's problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but that's exactly it, yeah, yeah, but awesome isn't it interesting,
0: interesting that if you want to be a leader? You then need to understand that it's actually a position of influence, not authority. It's influence, influence, influence. Mm -hmm. And how do you get there? You've got to go build the trust with everyone. You've got to be reliable, transparent, open, fallible, honest Mm -hmm. and human about it and treat others as you'd only want them to treat you as a starting point. And I think we're all fighting against the temptation to pretend to know the answer or – when things are not going well to not take full accountability be a bit teflon like well we did give it to the other department and that other department dropped the ball Mm. one might say well why didn't you help them
1: yeah why didn't you raise the observation you know it might be that you've got more experience perhaps than that other department and you would have maybe experienced the, the the fallibility in the past so rather than holding that back it's possible that you could have said, "Hey, other department, here's what I've seen before, just to give you a heads up, this might happen as well." Mm-hmm. So it's more of a team player.
2: Totally. And I think
1: maybe Mike that comes into the the next area that I think a person of influence can lean is you know crucial conversations, noticing when those type of things need to happen, maybe with teams, and again maybe it's reliability, maybe it's authenticity, but just noticing when people require a conversation. Maybe they maybe that's with the, the other department. You know, I can see this problem maybe happening. This is what I wanted to share. I think crucial conversations as I've probably gone on maybe too much in the servant leadership series about.
0: Mark, I Mark think let is, me let me pause yeah. here. I think we need confession time. cue confession music. do 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 do. Mark, do you <laughs> love more than anything else, more than any other book that we've ever reviewed? crucial conversations mm. is this true
1: well it, i think i think it is mike uh, and <laughs> listeners and viewers uh, i went to the library picked up the copy again the other day um but i think i think this influence is is really connected to behavior yeah. i think that's what we're we're kind of finding out already isn't it mike it's about behaving as a person of influence and then you become that person of influence through behavior
0: yeah. And I think if we are reflective enough about how we're behaving, we can catch ourselves. And even if we, you know, fall victim to fear, self-doubt, uncertainty, frustration, anger, we can work on it, right? We can work on ourselves. And I think that's exactly what we're doing here on the Moonshot Podcast. And that's exactly what our members are helping us do,
1: Mark. Oh, yes, they are indeed, Mike. Now Obviously, we have got into a real pattern of calling out our members. And for those uh, eagle-eared listeners, I think last week, Mike, I nearly passed out from trying (laughs) to do them too fast and without enough breaths. (laughs) So this week, members, you're getting maybe a slightly slower call out than last week, just for my own health and well-being. But please welcome, without further delay and ado, Bob, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Lisa, and Sid. Mr. Bonjour, Paul, Berg, and Kalman. Joe, Christian, Samuela, and Barbara. Andre, Chris, Deborah, and Lasse. Steve, Craig, Daniel, and Andrew. Ravi, Yvette, Karen, Raul, Nikoada, Ingram, Dirk, and Harry. Venkata, Marco, Jet, Roger, Steph, and Gabia, all of whom are our annual members. Guys, thank you again for always joining us. Hot on those heels. It's Raw, Nimelen, James and Diana, Wade, Christoph, Denise, Laura, Smitty, Cora and Gala, Bertram, Daniela, Mike and Dan, Antonio, Zachary, Austin and Fred, Lorenz, Ola, Andy and Diana. Guys, thank you so much once again for joining us and being part of the Moonshots Master Series and members of the Moonshots Club. Oh, it's a club, it's a membership. It's a club now. It's a club. I just know (laughs) that
0: you get this lunar powered good karma when you become a member, right? Because- You really um, do. Yeah, we invoke the mythological spiritual forces of the galaxy to travel down the internet right through your Patreon account to make you feel good, right? So head to moonshots.io, become a member, you get this extra podcast, you get a whole lot of love good karma. And I tell you what, you even get to hear your name, which might be, Mark, a special thing.
1: Ooh, well, funny you should say that, Mike, because the next lesson, the next piece of wisdom I want to call this clip, is from Maxwell now reflecting on the impact that Dale Carnegie's book, How to Influence Friends and Influence People, had not only on him, but also his mentor, his father. So let's hear a, quite a wonderful little story and, and visualisation of what the sweetest word to others really is.
2: Another lesson that I learned from my father, my gosh, what a huge lesson this one was. This one stayed with me throughout my life. I I just, well, they all have, but my father, he introduced me to to How to Win Friends Influence People by Dale Carnegie, as you know, my father picked out books for me to read when I was a kid. And if you read if you've read How to Influence and Influence People, I, I assume you have. I mean, I mean, hello. I mean, can you really go through life and not read that book? Because it is to me the relationship Bible. Simple, basic principles on relationships. And Dale Carnegie said the sweetest sound to a person's ear is the sound of their name. And so Dale Carnegie emphasized the importance of remembering names. And, and my father was really good at it. And when I was a junior in high school, we went and took a Dale Carnegie course on remember names. I'll never forget it. It was my dad and I took it together, and, and how they had us back then. I don't even know how Dale Carnegie teaches it now, but how they taught it back then was that that what you did is is you put a visual object on their head. That would relate to their name. So, I'm just for example, if 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 I met you and 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 your your name your name was let, let's say John Water, okay. Well, then what I would do is I I would put water right on top of your head. I, I I would put a visual picture of water right there, and so I would visually see water on your head. So that when I saw you next, I, I would call you John Water. I I, I remember I remember one time. Speaking of water, I was um, I was going to my new church in Lancaster, Ohio, and and had hundreds of people to learn their names pretty quick. And I met uh, the first day I met a wonderful couple named the Hargus family. And and soon as they said Hargus, I, I I grew up near a lake that was called Hargus Lake. And I thought, oh man, I got this one nailed. And so I put a lake right on top of their head. And the next uh, week when I they came back to church, I I mean, I was so confident. I just reached out my hand and said, well, how's how are Mr. and Mrs. Lake today? And I'll never forget. They looked at me and they looked at each other. And I, of course, immediately I realized, oops, I missed that one. I missed that one. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was your name? They said Hargis. Of course, then I laughed. I told them the Hargis Lake story. So it's not a foolproof, but here's what I do know. My father... Impressed upon me that the name is the sweetest sound of the person's ear, and that immediately when I get it, if I can visualize something and put it on top of the head so that I can remember their name.
0: Oh Mark, that was a hilarious story. Mark, I think that was a very <laughs> good story. Wouldn't you say Mark?
1: Yes, he's I, I like Maxwell's No, 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 delivery no, no.
0: Time. Wrong answer. You should have said. Yes, Mike.
1: Mike. Yes, you're right, Mike. You're right, Mike. And and the way I remember your name, Mike, is quite handy with the Moonshot Show because we have Mikes.
0: <laughs> we have Mikes with Mike and Mark with the same initials. Yeah. It goes on. Yeah, But let me say it this. It goes easy. Hmm. Like it, it can be tempting in 2024 to think, oh, well, remembering people's name, that's a bit cheesy, that's a bit Dale Carnegie, it's a bit old school. But I would ask everyone just to take one step back and look at it more as you are making a gesture. It's a deliberate mm. sign of respect that you remember their friggin' name. Like that's all you're doing, it's respecting them right? Mm. And there is mm-hmm. nothing more charming than when if you and I have just met or we don't know each other too well and a third party comes along and I say, hey, third party, I'd like you to meet Mark. Mm. And everybody knows like, oh, wow, Mike remembered yeah. Mark's name, right? That kind of yeah. feels like you have been respected. It's a little nod. It's a little recognition, So whether you think it's a bit old school or not, I do believe it's powerful. And particularly Mm. when I'm having tricky or important conversations in a work context, I find myself addressing the person by their name. Like, Mark, we re- this is a really important conversation for us, Mark, right? Mm. This, And for some reason, it seems to be appropriate, as it does the capability of introducing people who don't know each other and remembering both of their names. It means you're yeah. endorsing and respecting them. And I believe mm-hmm. that at the heart of things, starting with good manners and respect, I mean... What's not to like about that, Mark?
1: Honestly, Mike, it's amazing. In the communities that I've joined, um, both from a work perspective as well as social, I am always incredibly touched by those individuals who will not only remember my name, but maybe they'll remember something about me. Maybe it's a story I've told. Maybe it's um, a situation I've ended up in. And what it does is it creates an immediate connection. And you're right, it's it's this word respect. Yeah. You're suddenly in an equal space. You know, if the individual, let's say, Mike, that you've introduced me to this third party. The fact that, you know, you've introduced me, maybe you've said something about me, but specifically you called out my name. It shows me, OK, well, Mike's taken time to remember me. He knows and respects me. So, therefore... I already, going back to this idea of trust that we were talking about earlier, the scale of trust, that trust increases because now I know, hey, I think, I think Mike's going to be reliable. If he's able to remember something quite small, like my name, I can trust him with other information. I think I can trust him with a project or a key deliverable because I believe that he's going to be able to remember and keep his word. So again, Mike, I'm seeing a lot of the connection between that first clip we heard, this idea of influence, And now this, it comes down to reliability, doesn't it? It comes down to this insight around behaving in a way that you would like to be treated. And what it does, hey, it lowers those barriers between individuals and therefore you're going to do better work together. What do you think?
0: And what Dale Carnegie goes on to talk about is that if you want to be interesting to others, you need to be interested in them.
1: That's it. Yes. I remember that one. That's right. Yeah. That's nice.
0: And this is the thing, like as a leader, if you want to Mm. lead people, you need to understand what's going on for them Mm. and genuinely have Mm. a level of interest and curiosity, whether it's like, what's their setup at home? What are they into outside of work? what are they looking forward to what are their challenges um it's how can we possibly want people to follow us Mm. if we're not paying some sort of interest in them
1: yeah yeah and and i've and i'm sure we all have i've worked with colleagues but also leaders who in my opinion have never really shown that level of interest right you know and what it what does it lead to? Well, it kind of leads to the opinion. Yeah, I, I could probably work a bit harder for this boss, but I mean, he doesn't really know my name, let alone anything else. So, <laughs> right. I'm, I, I'm not going to be motivated. But he is. You know, so, I, obviously, the name is an extreme. But I think you're right. If you, unless you are leading again from a, a, a level of influence, as we heard in that first clip, how do you expect anybody to? have trust and follow you into the battlefield.
0: Yes, and t- and check this out. I believe that y- you can find a connection with anybody and mm. all you have to do is get rid of your social status, get rid of your profession, and you will eventually come to you and me, we're human beings, we're just trying to do our best in the world. Yeah. And that gets you 8 billion people that you've got something in common with. <laughs>
1: that's that's a few. It's going to be now, a lot of names to remember. <laughs>
0: now, this is like a game of concentric circles. It gets a bit wobbly after that because then like <laughs> what language do you speak? You know, what religion are you and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It gets a little, you know, filtered out. But my point is yeah. this, like in the end of the day, the people that you're in a sports team with or your family or your community or the people at work in the end – We're all humans trying our best in our special way. And you can always come back to that, right? And that's where if you respect people, you can always just go through all those levels and go, okay, they seem pretty crazy at work, but what's the story behind it? And just get to the point like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I totally connect to them because we both like paper mache. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you, yeah. if you, listeners, members, and viewers, if you love your paper mache, head to moonshots.io. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. If you, if you actually though, if you do want to dig into yeah. Dale Carnegie, head over moonshots.io, yeah. check out the uh, back catalogue and and have a listen to to that show. But but, Mark, we're halfway through. Uh, yeah. We've got a ton more to give you. What's the next law that we want to dig into from Mr. Maxwell himself?
1: Well, this one, I think we, we heard a very soft, quite beautiful story in that last clip. So, Mike, I think this time we're going to go a little bit heavier hitting. We're going to hear some hard truths from John C. Maxwell today. We're now going to get into one of his other laws from the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and this one is all about calling and offering and honouring The law of the lid.
2: The first law of the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership is the law of the lid, which basically says, leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. In other words, how well you lead determines how well you succeed. You see, over 35 years ago, I came to the conclusion that everything rises and falls on leadership. Think about that for a moment. Everything rises or falls on leadership. In other words, How well you lead not only determines how well you succeed, how well you lead determines how well the people that follow you succeed. Leadership has a multiplying effect, either positively or negatively, on people. This is huge. And when I became convinced that everything rises and falls on leadership, I looked at that in the business world and found it was true. I looked at it in the religious world, found it was true. Looked in the education world, found out it was true. Looked in the government world, found out it was true. It's true. In your life right now, in your organization, everything rises and falls on leadership. Your leadership is the lid that determines the level of your success. Let me illustrate with my hand for a moment. Let's say that this is my leadership lid. This is how well John Maxwell leads. And let's say I'm an average leader. I'm a, I'm a five. Out of a one to a ten, I'm a five. So I'm an average leader. This is my leadership lid. What this means is that my organization, my business, whatever I'm trying to lead, my community group, whatever it is I'm leading, if I'm a five as a leader, what that means is that My leadership and my success will only become a four. I I can't be successful beyond and above my leadership lid. My leadership lid holds down my potential.
0: The lid, Mark. Oh, Mm. my gosh. I think we're getting into the heart of the matter here because – I mean, I heard so much here. I'm going to start with, um, yeah, to succeed you have to lead or to lead is to succeed. Mm. I think that connection is already like that one's a big one. But where I want to go to is the connectivity between your performance and subsequently those around you Mm. and the organizations. Yep. What Maxwell is saying is – Your ability to lead affects those around you and therefore the overall group. Yeah. And what we could do is now say that differently. Your ability to build trust, take care of support, help each individual and our collective cause is how you gain influence and get the ship sailing in the right direction towards the overall goal, which is the mission and the vision that we have with why we're together, all comes back to do you do what you say? Do you listen to others? Do you serve others? Or are you playing the hyper-selfish, defensive, it's not my job, blame the others, duck for cover, leave the office at five because you're too damn scared to leave. That's what I heard. That's the lid. And I think we all face this decision. Do we push through the discomfort and attempt to lead? Or do we run for the hills?
1: Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think this is the this is the hard truth, isn't it? Because I think there's a lot of us, including myself, you know, particularly in my more junior years of, of having a career, I, I would probably have leaned away from leadership because of the responsibilities, because of the fear of doing it wrong. But the fear, I suppose, is the, is the key word here. I was afraid of it, which is probably common for a lot of people. But what I find very, very surprising, and that would be the word when, I was, when we were digging into the show today, You know, this clip in particular, took me a little bit by surprise because I realized it was a penny drop moment. I can't expect to be a fantastic individual within my team as a leader if my leadership skills are you know, pretty average. Because at the end of the day, when you have direct reports, they are going to be inspired by your behavior. So you, they need to have the best version of a leader that's available. So not only do you owe it to others and the business to be a good leader, But actually, as we're finding out from Maxwell, and this is the penny drop moment, to not invest the time in becoming a good leader, obviously there's lots of different ways to do that as we've delved into on the Servant Leadership leadership Series. But if you don't want to lean into empathy, you don't want to understand and respect others, what you're doing is you're setting yourself back because you can't ever go beyond and further your career because you're always stuck in the in the bleachers. you know mm-hmm. you're not on the pitch playing the game because you're afraid to get out there. I think as we heard in last week's show with Brené Brown, this idea of vulnerability certainly came through. I think where Maxwell's now taking us here is saying, well we, vulnerability is true and it's going to exist, but it's up to you whether you go, smash through that glass ceiling of your fear of leadership and therefore raise the lid a little bit higher yeah i think for me mike when i you know heard this clip for the first time and you know we're digging into it now this was a good invitation to me to really assess and what i mean by that is think about reflect on and judge the way that i lead my team and question whether i'm doing it correctly am i doing it with enough you know emphasis with enough enthusiasm with enough inspiration but also more importantly with enough direction are there enough, you know. let's call them KPIs or whatever you want to call it, is there enough actionable elements that my team are able to follow in order to be the best version of their team that they can be? If I'm not setting that, my lid is closed and and I'm not getting myself any better and the team aren't getting better either. It's a surprising insight, this one, I think.
0: It reminds me of, there's a lot of scientific research supporting the idea that, the first five years of a child is very critical because they will do a mm-hmm. lot of their, um, you know, they talk about nature versus nurture, right? So yeah. there's their inherent nature, and then there's what they're nurtured, and a lot of that nurturing happens in the first five years, and from whom mm-hmm. the parent, and how does that lid turn up in parenting? There is a lot of evidence that children will adjust their lid based on modeling the behavior of their parents. If their Mm. parents say thank you, what do you think the kids say, Mark?
1: Thank you, Mike. (laughs) If
0: if the kids are aggressive, sorry, if the parents are aggressive, what do you think the kids are gonna do?
1: They're gonna be aggressive too. They're gonna follow suit. They're gonna follow the pattern.
0: And leadership in an organization Mm. is exactly the same idea. Only ask of those around you to do what you are prepared to do. It's a very common um, little piece of wisdom. But if you're not prepared to do the work, well, hey, what about going the extra mile? Mm. Is it fair that you have the expectation that somehow magically you're going to take it easy and everybody else is going to go the extra mile? Yeah.
1: Hell no. Yeah. That ain't it. No, a- it doesn't work like that. No, you've got to, again, it's this idea of behavior, isn't it? Yes. It's maybe even, you know, going back to Abby Wambach, you know, if you can lead from the bench, then then that's a great leader because you're able to um, put into practice the things that you've taught them, perhaps.
0: Well, well but also, unless you, too, you know, in, in Abby's example, I mean, just to go back to that magic story, hmm. Arguably the greatest soccer career in history across all genders.
1: Mm.
0: And she gets benched for the last game in the World Cup. And she's on the sideline, on the bench, cheering, helping, supporting, and not for a moment doing poor me. I
1: remember
0: in the world. And I got benched, and I'm never happy, and I don't have my Mercedes at the front. (laughs) And no. She's like, "Let's go, girls. We're going to get this done." Yeah. And mm. that just
1: raised the lid insanely. Exactly, exactly. That intention, that behaviour, it demonstrated to the team. Well, if I'm not bothered by it, you shouldn't be either. In fact, if I'm sitting on the bench, I'm still this enthusiastic and and ready for this game. So and you, better, you better be a
0: level above that. Better, if you're on, yeah, the bench you better board, meet right? me up
1: here. <laughs> So this lead yes. this is this is
0: fantastic because I think where we're mm. what we're seeing is you got to lead to succeed, mm. you've got to really understand that you earn this influence through your daily behaviors, and I mm. believe that if you're doing this in a cycle, then you've got some but not all of the picture, and I think this last clip opens up the opportunity to reflect on this process and to continuously improve it. So, Mark, why don't you slay us with your last clip for the show?
1: Well, Mike, get ready to be slayed because this clip, I think it's going to be inspirational. I think it's going to set us up as we think, what are the things that we need to start putting into practice to really help us raise our lids as well as our creativity? Let's hear from Maxwell. Sadly, it's going to be the final clip today's show, number 250. But let's hear from Max. Give us some classic daily wisdom around jotting and how writing gives Maxwell direction.
2: I write every day. And what I've discovered is this. Writing brings clarity to thinking. In fact, the process goes something like this. I think it. I say it. I write it. Saying gives me buy-in to what I'm thinking, but writing gives me direction. When you see something that you have written, it's very clear. In fact, that's why when you read something, it is so much more not only visual to you, but you immediately can see a good sentence from a bad sentence because it's written. When you hear it, it just kind of runs together. So when I talk about writing every day, what I am saying is you need to spend time reflecting and learning. So you begin to—you don't have to be a journal person; you don't have to do that. Just, just be a jot person. I jot. I really don't journal. Just, just have your iPhone ready, or have something quick that you can just every day write down your thoughts, write down your quotes. Never let a day—never let a day escape without writing down something that's worth repeating. Yes, that's worth repeating. In fact, I get my iPhone and I open up to my sections where I jot and where I put these thoughts and quotes. And every day I just pull it down and I just look at it and reflect on it. Writing makes you a clear leader and clarity gives confidence.
0: Clarity gives confidence. He was on a bit of a roll there, Mark, but I will take you back to what he said, write down something worth repeating." So, you know, I'm going to forgive John C. Maxwell. He's talking a little slang on the old journaling there, Mark, and uh, he's on uh, sensitive ground with you and me there, isn't he?
1: I mean, look, I I had to weigh up whether I was going to put this clip in. I know that our listeners and particularly our members will be familiar with our testimonies around journaling and reflection and so on, but the reason why I think this one is such a practice that we should, you know, re-enforce uh, uh, <laughs> or encourage is the fact that it's a way of repeating information, and that's the the key takeaway, as you've just said as well, Mike. Rather than, you know, where we would go with journaling around reflecting on the things that we have. You know, done, felt, the way that we are interpreting things, to hold ourselves accountable and take ownership of certain behaviours, motivations, and so on. I think Maxwell's point is slightly different here. I feel like Maxwell's point here is a little bit more around maybe Julie Cameron's book, around morning pages, I believe, where you're jotting based more on inspiration as well as things that you've learned. And I like this idea because then that helps us become leaders that are going to teach that can share wisdom, share information. Where I'm getting inspired by this idea of, of jotting, it is quite different in my mind to you know the classic journaling because it has a different type of, let's call it deliverable. It's possible that I'll jot something down and say, hey Mike, you never guess what I, what I, what I wrote down yesterday. Check this out. It feels a little bit more shareable, I suppose is one way of putting it. But also Mike, it feels much more like a mantra. Well,
0: yeah, and you know I'm a bit
1: partial to a good mantra, Mark. I do.
0: I do. Every you single know, day. You know. so, every single day, right? And
1: and I think that's where Maxwell goes towards the end of the clip where he'll pull down the note and, you know, you know, drop in and out every so often to get maybe a little bit of inspiration. I feel as though maybe Maxwell could take a leaf out of your book, Mike, and and, you know, start hitting the daily mantras a little bit more and maybe even getting some journaling in there. But I like the idea of revisiting these moments. Let's call them of inspiration that have that he's jotted down, because they lead to sharing knowledge, which I think is which is a wonderful thing for a leader to do. Yeah. Where, where were you getting inspired with that clip?
0: Uh, I believe the power of what he's saying is whether you like to journal or jot, it doesn't matter. Choose what works mm. for you. But mm. I believe we are we're. we're presented with so much information throughout the course of a day that if we don't find a mechanism, journaling, jotting, or whatever, if you don't find the thing that works for you, how do you honestly think you're going to process and move from not just knowledge, but get into understanding and from understanding, develop your own insights and from insights, see opportunities, the way forward, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that helps you think clearly, process, digest everything that's Mm -hmm. going on, Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, you will be a victim to your environment as opposed to being in control because you won't have a clear view of cause and effect, correlation, Mm -hmm. you won't see it. So you'll miss problems and they'll get big. Mm and you'll miss opportunities because you'll be blind. Whatever it takes, Mm. journal, jot, jump up and down. If it starts with a J, it sounds like it's all right to me. (laughs) Go crazy, just go crazy and find a way to process. Mark, Mm. you're obviously processing a whole show here. What is the homework assignment for you after digging into 21 irrefutable laws?
1: Well, Mike, I think for me, it really comes down into the second half of the show, this idea of the lid. I think there's accountability in there, but also I think it's a a great opportunity to really, it's an invitation to consider where all of us are within our leadership journeys. We can utilize tools like jotting in order to break through that ceiling and lift the lid because you're able to get better and become an expert. But for me, it's it's the lid. That's what I want to dig in. I, I want to reflect on and and see, you know, just how much of a lid. Where's my lid? That's that's what I think I need to go and do, I suppose. What about you? We, we learn a lot today from John C. Maxwell. We do. What stood we out to you?
0: Well, I do have great appreciation for the lid, and that is one of his unique concepts. Mm. I, I like actually where we started, which is like – Leadership Hmm. is influence and influence is trust and being consistent, Hmm. keeping your word, doing what you said, being consistent and reliable and transparent. Things we can talk so easily about, but I think it's in the heat of the battle where you have to remember to stay on track, right? Hmm. It's the classic moment when the snooze alarm comes up. Are you snoozing and losing or are you jumping out of bed, right? Are you going to be consistent? Are you going to yeah. build the trust to influence others and have true leadership? Woo, Marky Mark, 250 shows. I got 250 horsepower to process all of that. <laughs> I want to thank you, Mark, and I want to thank you, our listeners, members, and viewers, for joining us here on a very special anniversary show, show 250 with John C. Maxwell. And he's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And boy, that began with the law of influence. How do you build influence with those around you? It ain't authority. You earn it every single day. And as you interact with those people, the sweetest word in the world is their name. Don't forget it. And as you move through your organization and you know collaborate with different people, remember, you're always setting the bar, you're lifting the lid, the level of performance, the level of trust, the level of alignment in the business to where they're going. And as you get to the end of the day, remember that you need to reflect, whether it's journaling or jotting, write down and ask yourself, what did you do? How did you do it? Why did you do it? Do those things. And you will be the best version of yourself. Do those things with us here on the Moonshots podcast, and you'll be doing it while we learn out loud together. So come join us. Be a leader to succeed here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.